AYC 2023 podcast series with all the head coaches continues with South Australian under-16 head coach Andrew Sperling joining, joining us. Andrew, welcome along. Thank you, Stuart. Yeah, welcome uh, welcome to you over in WA. It's morning time, I suppose, still with you and just clocked over the midday here. So, yeah, great stuff, Stuart. Mate, uh, we appreciate you coming on board. And we've had a range of head coaches. Uh, we had one guy yesterday-ish that has – this was his 17th championship coming up. We've had a couple of coaches who um, – this is their first go-round. You, you're sort of in the middle there. I, off air we were talking. I recall you saying about seven or eight of them. Correct. Yeah, right back to the uh, – uh, I think 1999 was my first uh, foray into nationals. Um, and that was in Melbourne at Altona. And, uh, yeah, sort of went to Alice, had a little bit of a hiatus and uh, sort of really uh, threw myself, I suppose, 2013, 14, I think. We went back to Geelong and uh, with, with Brett Ettridge with the 18s and then really threw myself into the charter system um, where I was one of the uh, real early guys and our first in Talabudgera. Uh, which was the first year that uh, America opened up, of course, the, the grand prize of a, a fully in, uh, inclusive trip over to the States, to Williamsport, um, et cetera. So haven't had the luck of venturing into one of those, even though we did finish a silver medalist that year um, to the WA team where young Chase Diggins just uh, tore us apart. But, um, yeah, and, and now they're sending the, the runners up to the Cal Ripken, which... Is a bit of a shame, but hey, that's how it all works out. So, yeah, I've been around the traps for, for quite a bit of time in the uh, in-state and charter system. I always like to talk to coaches who, you know, their careers have spanned, geez, we're really ageing at each other here, but, uh, you know, the career has expanded, uh, covered a, a couple of decades. How is the game, and how is sort of junior baseball, have you seen it, evolve or devolve uh, or change across that time? really interested to sort of get your thoughts on, you know, player development and, and how tournaments have evolved um, over the years. Yeah, well, initially they had as a state system under 14, under 16, under 18. Uh, they, um, in the wisdom, I think with, with the um, advent of the charter, uh, they've dropped the under-14s because, of course, charter begins at under-13s, under-15s, under-17s. So into little league, junior league, senior league. Um, so I, I think that the program has has worked itself out and, and certainly with the, the charter system, I uh, find it being really beneficial to the states to start the development of, of boys uh, and girls. Uh, extremely young, and they've now got development programs within those junior uh, junior systems, the charter systems. So, you know, there's been a, a minor little change there, and I suppose looking at it as a whole, and and even three, four, five years ago, even the state system has changed just a little. Uh, where under 16s, it's full on and good to go, everyone available. Uh, in the under-18s, we've found over the past few years that we see this little group of six or seven guys on an outer field over there that the high-end under-18s 
that have already got themselves on a path and so they don't make themselves available for the under-18 tournament. Not all. It's not across the board, but the real high-end ones have sort of been opting out of their last year of under-18s because uh, they've got some bigger fish to fry. And, uh, you know, they're on a path to college or they're near on uh, being selected um, by an MLB team being drafted. So, yeah, it's, a, it's been a, a really intriguing journey to, uh, you know, to be part of it and see some little minor changes along the way with, as I said, the advent of char- charter and uh, and the high-end under-18s um, opting out of, of the uh, their last year of nationals. The That's probably the biggest change I've seen. Yeah, the opt-out strikes me as odd because you'd think – What's the benefit of not playing? Baseball's a, a sport that you tend to benefit from playing more. What, why? What? Where's that come from? Why would you not play in a tournament? They don't want to. They don't want to damage their their profile. Or what's what's some of the reasoning you've heard on that? Yeah, look, I, I haven't heard a lot of reasoning on it. You know, perhaps them then just being real, real high end talent um, that have their path, maybe just ruled out in front of them and they, they understand where they're going to go and what they're going to do. And, uh, yeah, I, I can't uh, really give you a, a fantastic reason for that. But I remember a few years ago under the um, fantastic um, tutelage of Scotty, Andrew Scott, who is an Australian Baseball Hall of Famer, and I was uh, under him at under-16s. And, of course, there was a boy called Solo Maguire who uh, – uh, a New South Wales boy, and he was very much in the eye of the scouts. So we fortunately drew solo as a as a starting pitcher for New South Wales that day. And oh boy, the um, back screens were just lined up with scouts with their guns out. And I think solo hit about eighty seven mile an hour that day. And uh, as a fifteen year old, you know it was quite overwhelming for our group but it just gave you another look into the the life of a you know a budding young star and you know at the end of the day it's great to say you know, I had all the scouts there that you've got to perform and stand up and show what you're made of and he sure did that day and obviously was signed by Pittsburgh and and his world changed and and he's he's on the path and obviously playing now for the Blue Sox um, you know, it's really great. I'm an admirer of young talent. I don't care whether they're on my team or another team, and uh, you know, I watch them with great anticipation. And uh, you know, it's been just brilliant to watch the journey of some some young stars in in our field of baseball. I've got um, two other questions I want to ask you about tournaments. What um, a number of years ago, these things used to go for sort of ten days. Now. Mm. You're in and out in uh, five, I think at five or six. Um, yeah, and obviously six. there's a there's a cost factor there. You know, have, having teams away for that period of time is expensive. But what is mm-hmm. the what is the impact as a head coach? What is the impact of dramatically shorten, shortening tournaments? Is it just more games crammed into a period of time, and then obviously you've got to juggle rosters? Or how has that impacted coaching teams? Oh, big time. If, uh, if we were on a, you know, a cast where you could see me, my grey hair is shining brightly. And, uh, yeah, it, no, it, it, it has impacted. I mean, I've been had the fortunate 
situation to, to be a, um, an assistant coach uh, to some wonderful coaches, but certainly to with Scotty um, the last um, couple of times. And to see the amount of work that goes into um, participation and ensuring that you're keeping in line with mandatory play, it, it, it's, it's a big time because a 20-player 20, 20, uh, um, squad, so lots of players and, and lots to get in and, and to achieve to achieve what they're requesting of us this year. As a, you know, in our first five days, we played four double headers. Um, and then, you know, to qualify yourself and to either be one of the lucky ones to be in the top four, uh, to be in, in the hunt for a medal or, or not. So, you know, at the back to charter. Uh, in especially in little league and and junior league, uh, where they're still very young men, uh, that to you know nearly every double header, only the very high end like New South Wales and yeah, probably New South Wales really is a team that I can sort of go back to that were the only ones that had the squad, had the strength, had the um, the quality uh, to win double headers. At, at little league and junior league level because it's quite overwhelming for boys, especially if there's a break that you play an early game and have to break and then come back and for a late game. Um, it was one of my observations that not many of the real um, oh, teams that haven't got the depth, didn't have the numbers in tryouts, etc., to really have a strong, powerful squad. Um, and also, we were really um, quite um, determined to ensure that next year there was a rollover of players to be, you know, be able to prop the young kids up again and, and you know, provide a really um, strong uh, performance. So, yeah, it, it's a real challenge, Stuart, a real challenge. And I've got to say, you know, we're sitting down now looking at our team and, um, and just trying to piece it all together. And I am a little bit, uh, you know, that in, uh, in the mid-year uh, tournament that was brought along um, after COVID, et cetera, um, that they, they just sort of, last year, no, no um, sort of demands on coaching staff. There were no rules. And so this year they've gone back to, uh, you know, due to a couple of teams perhaps not really pleasing, but Baseball Australia with how they handle things. Um, some kids not getting on the park through that whole tournament. Um, so they've come in um, with their boxing gloves on and said not good enough and you will comply. And so we've got um, a full game uh, minimum participation for all um, and that's again having to endure with pitches that might be, might have been there really with their pitching to be at the forefront but it's going to take three um, three games for them to uh, qualify for one game and of course you've still got um, they've got to have a rest somewhere along the line so yeah it's going to be a real juggling act but Bottom line, it's for all teams, so we've all got to conform. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a real challenge for everyone at this year's uh, Nationals. 
Well, that's why you get paid the big dollars, mate. Oh, you betcha. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the other question I had, I was interested. Um, <clears throat> the How is the testing and the showcase, how does uh, that component, and, and for those – um, who may not have listened to some of the other podcasts, the, you know, before the tournament starts, every team and player is put through a series of, uh, well, they call it the showcase, but it's a, a f- effectively testing activities that align to, uh, you know, scouting principles, velocity, speed, et cetera, et cetera. Um, how has your, how's preparation changed over the years to account for that? And have you seen behaviour or performance from players alter? And by that I mean kids p- perhaps thinking, well, showcase is probably more important than the tournament and they put a lot of time and effort and focus into that and probably lose sight of how important actual gameplay is. Have, have you noticed anything along those lines or am I completely reading too much into that? Uh, no, I, I, probably, I don't think you're reading too much into it at all. It, it, it really, uh, I think, again, for we had 53 out this year, which was a good number for us. However, we had a lot of 2009s, and um, we, uh, which are 13 year olds, so they're not eligible to play in, in the nationals this year. In the past, we took a few boys away, Riley Aitman and uh, Nick Paparella, that's away with the Australian under 18 team at the moment. Uh, we took them away as youngsters, as 13 year olds, and there's always a, a big discussion about that. Is it too early? Um, remembering they've got two more years at, at under sixteen state, so you know it, it's a it's a juggling act. And for us in South Australia, uh, who often have very low numbers uh, coming out, um, which is not anyone's fault, just just the state of the play. Uh, but I know New South Wales, you know, could, and I, I'm guessing here, so. Please correct me if you have spoken to the boys and, and know, but, you know, they'd have over 100 out, I, I would imagine. When you say out, and as in trying out for the team? Trying yeah. out, yep. yeah. Which you could deem, does that make it easier or harder <laughs> with such a big number to uh, sift your way through and, you know, find your, your 20 or with a few train-ons or whatever, whereas we had 53. Uh, we probably had 20 that were 209s, and so therefore we knew that they couldn't participate um, in, in the national. So, um, you know, we, we moved them on out of the number at the end and have our 30 to, uh, to choose from. And, you know, we always like, again, in, in South Australia, we talk and discuss it a lot. And, hey, if you had a really high, high end of older boys, well, you're going to probably select them, so therefore you might only have four or five spots left and they'll go to younger boys to, um, as I said, crop and support the younger group. But obviously next year you're going to have 15 young kids in there, which is probably not a a great balance and number. Uh, We've always tried to, like I'm taking on eight, uh, that Chris Sims and the crew uh, took away last year with them to develop them and get them used to things and travel and the, the program, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so this year we got that 8-12 split, which is probably a good number 
um, you know, 12 youngsters with their eight seniors to really support them and, and drive that team along. So I'm sure every state has its own ways and means and understanding of things. I, I think we've probably all got the same ideas and philosophies, uh, but your number and perhaps your high-end talent this year of the 15-year-olds uh, will dictate to you perhaps your squad at the end of the day. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, something that we take very seriously. Uh, the showcase, I think, has been a terrific idea um, because it, we were always battling a little bit to, all right, to come out and run fast and throw well, but what do you play like? You know, what, what, what's your game day like? Because seeing a lot of guys that are extremely good trainers, uh, but they perhaps don't, you know, be able to put it into play on game day. So, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, an act that we, or, or something that we take very seriously. And having a couple of fantastic coaches with me this year, uh, Scotty's come on board to support me and one of the real up-and-coming coaches, I believe, in, in Australia, and Andrew Kuzner as a pitching coach who's really dedicated and uh, very advanced and a real thinker. Uh, to have those boys alongside of me uh, is a real um, you know, pleasure for me to have, and they're both highly experienced, been wonderful baseballers themselves, and, uh, yeah, we've got a, a really good coaching squad this year. One of the things I haven't really spoken to a head coach about is the, you know, working with assistant coaches. <clears throat> and it's, you know, often year on year, the coaching staffs are, are put together and it might be the first time you've ever worked with um, a group of people. But how do you find a balance? Like you're the head guy and you're calling the shots, but, you know, how quickly are you, when do you start to figure out, okay, I actually really trust my pitching coach and you're never going to admit, well, I don't trust him at all. But, you know, it's like it's the roles and responsibilities. Are you turning over the pitching staff and the management of pitch counts? The, your pitching guy just handles that. You know, the other assistant coach handles other elements of it. Like how, do, how does optimising a coaching staff come about? Yeah, well, it's a good question because the pitching coach has a pretty lonely job and, and but such a – such an integral job. Um, they, you know, they're sitting up in the bullpen uh, preparing sort of their next pitches to come in and do their roles. So they don't sort of really, when I say they don't feel part of it, I'm sure at times they think, gee, I'd love to be sitting down there with the coaches and talking about things and, and learning and growing and developing on, on another level because there's nothing to say that Andrew Kuzner could not take this group over next year and be the head coach. Mm. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a tough one for pitching coaches. It's often a not an unrewarding job by any means, but as I said, you're very isolated. Obviously, we get together after games and then, then spend a lot of time together. Uh, but initially, or, or through the tournament, uh, there's old Andrew up the end there sitting in the bullpen with the with the staff. And uh, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a pretty... Uh, you know, lonely, demanding job, but obviously they throw themselves in, into it and it's not so lo lonely and demanding. But, yeah, it, it's an interesting dynamic. And then obviously this year with, you know, depending on how far you take things and trying to have a good idea of uh, bringing a lefty or a righty in for a situation or whatever, you're 
got to do a lot of homework and understand your opposition. Um, and as I said, I, I've got you know an Australian Hall of Famer with, with me in, in Scotty Andrew Scott, um, who was not only you know an incredible baseballer and the first Australian to go and play professionally in Japan in their system, and uh, but he's such a mild, passive guy. There's not a lot of um, up and about with Scotty. He's just who he is and what he is. And but to have the guy with such accomplishments and being a head coach and was, you know, coach third for the bite when uh, um, back in the day of the early ABL in in this sort of level. So no, he, he's both of my coaches are highly accomplished. Coos played uh, juniors for Australia plus. Uh, represented South Australia in, in many tournaments. So, yeah, I'm, I'm blessed, to be quite honest, because on a playing sense, I, you know, I was shining their boots. Um, so I have nowhere near the playing uh, ability of either of those boys. Um, but I've dedicated myself to coaching, and fortunately we all get along, and, you know, we're. I, I think we're going to, we're going to do fine as a, as a group this year, and I like to offer responsibility to them. So Scotty's really taken hold of the infield. Um, Andrew's got the pitching, and I'll take the outfielding and then try to uh, piece it all together with regards to our defensive responsibilities and offensive responsibilities, etc. But sharing, asking, learning, growing, you know, knowing what, Uh, you'd know over the years, but still using those guys to help me, help us be the best we possibly can at at this year's tournament. I want to dive into the team a little bit now. And the 16 levels kind of, it's hard to sometimes single out players because they've got to do everything. But if, if South Australia is to win this tournament, what is it that you guys are going to do really well? and, And where do you think your strengths lie? Well, I think again through the um, the wisdom of, of last year's uh, coaching group that that brought so many in that I'm taking eight that have well and truly knowing you know what they've got to achieve for us this year. So we we've got some um, boys that went you know pretty well last year as first yearers, which is not always easy. Um, so you know we're certainly going to be. You know, leaning on the Zach Aldenuras and the um, the Will Kuzner, you know, boys like that 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 had really solid tournaments last year. That group uh, just missed out on bronze, um, so they achieved quite well, and and you know did a terrific job. Uh, so yeah, look, it, it is a, a combination, but you you're really only as good as you. 18, 19, 20 as well because they're going to have to participate and, and participate well and strongly. So um, it's going to be demanding on fitness. Uh, when we were in Blacktown a couple of years ago, it was 40 degrees with high humidity. So, you know, weather is demanding. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting, Stuart, to see what sort of weather we get this year because uh, with those four double headers in the first five days. It's uh, it's all hands on deck. Mm. Uh, there's no no you know getting around it. It's going to be highly demanding. So we've got a pool organised because often the hotel pools are heated 
So there's no uh, recovery in a heated pool. So we're, we're off to a pool and we're just going to have to do everything right to ensure we come to the park ready to play, knowing what we've got on for the day and just go about it and and get it done. I know it's an old cliche, but I think it's going to be a test for all teams. Um, one of the things you, you mentioned at the start in reference to New South Wales and, and roster depth, and you just said it then, sort of your players 18, 19 and 20, what's the gap on, on a South Australian team? What's the gap between your number one player and your 20th player? I know that can be hard to quantify, but, you know, there are yeah, – New South Wales just have a bigger pool to choose from, so the gap between 1 and 20 may not be huge. But the, mm. I just want people to kind of get a sense of, you know, especially with mandatory playing where, you know, player number 20, if there's a huge gap between your best player and the 20th player, but the 20th player has to play four games, that can be a very tough juggling act for a coaching stuff. Is there a – is there a big gap on the squad or is it fairly consistent from a talent perspective? What, what has your experience been um, with this year's team? Oh, look, I, you know, I, I suppose I'm sitting here thinking, you know, think about this, how you put this. But of course there's there's a, a huge gap mm. between between our, you know, one, two, three, four, five and our 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. I mean, we've taken some boys away that we've got next year in mind. Mm. Uh, so we've got to ground them and, and get some growth and development into them and, and expect that perhaps things aren't going to go all so great for those boys. But, you know, on the flip side to that, uh, we're trying to keep it as, uh, um, you know, normal as we can and, and we recognise that, that our success is really going to easy to say that if our top end have great tournaments, but yeah, that, that's wonderful, but we're, we're going to have to be a really even bunch and uh, and we've just got to play good baseball. Uh, I know that sounds like a pretty simple thing to say, but we've got to, you know, get out there, make our routine plays and, and do our, our routine stuff, be competitive in the batter's box and run base as well and all those sorts of things to even be considering ourselves to be possibly challenging on that last day for a medal. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really big challenge for us. But as I said, I'm blessed to have um, uh, the, the staff that um, that I've got. And, and now we've got to, you know, not focus on our opposition, focus on ourselves and get ourselves in, in the best possible uh, nick that we can be in to go over there and, and get the job done. I wanted to circle back um, to your comment about the last time you were in Blacktown where it was 40 degrees and New South Wales humidity can be stifling, particularly when it is so hot. How did you um, – surely as you're seeing kids withering on the vine, how did you how did you navigate through that? And was it just sort of trying to get a read on, okay, this this young player, he, he can back it up and go again today? How did you – how did you get through that process? That would must have been, <laughs> must have been, you know, a struggle. Just to, like this kid's cooked, but we got to put him out there again. How, yeah, I'm really interested to know, sort of, as a coaching staff, how do you get through that? Yeah, look, it, it is a real challenge because you can't really anticipate, you know, who's going to handle it and, and who's not. So, you know, I think with that knowledge that. Um, Scotty and I, uh, in this instance, had from that experience, uh, we, we know what we've got to have over there. So 
we've really um, we we put our boys through a pretty grueling um, selection process because we didn't select immediately after the showcase. Uh, we had a couple of weeks of uh, very demanding um, tryouts, which continued to see you know who's going to stand up, who, who's going to be the ones that are sort of even at training going to be showing signs that they can't handle it. So, um, yeah, we, we just really put them through the mill and demanded a lot of them. And uh, and here we are with our group of 20. Um, still got three or four train-ons that are all youngsters. So to give them some, you know, a look at it for next year so they don't come in and be a bit fresh and a bit new at it, they... They know what's expected of them on a training basis because our competition here in South Australia, I suppose, can be looked at by a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Um, but it, it it has its strengths and weaknesses. You know, we we've got twelve, thirteen clubs here, and and you know, for them to continue to butter up each year and supply good programs, etc., is, is not always easy. Often a lot of dad coaches, which is just admirable, but from a high performance aspect, um, you know, we're always, I've got to keep reminding the boys that, um, and, and this is not a criticism to a club or clubs, but obviously you can see with their programs that they're a little under, and so they come to this, and it's quite a shock to the system. So there's a whole range of the, you know, elements and ifs and buts, um, even in the playing group that, you know, have an effect on things. It, it's a big deal and, and a big rise in occasion for a lot of boys, and and not some that are coming from really strong programs. So yeah, there's a lot to uh, sort of consider, Stuart and. I'm a realist and, and I try to have a good grip on things and look at the group and try to keep my expectations within it. And I know it can be deemed as being, oh, he's a bit negative or, you know, I thought he'd be going to win. But I think winning is a culmination of a many, many, many things. And I can't demand what I don't believe we're capable of. So... Yeah, it's going to be a real challenge again for us. I, I did want to finish on this question, and you just sort of started to touch on it there. But South Australia's had a bit of a, <clears throat> a bit of a sweet pocket in recent times of you know some really talented kids coming through. Um, probably headlined by Curtis Mead, who um, yeah could be our next major league baseball player. What? what Where's you know, and and I think every state has these cycles of player development. But what do you think led to South Australia having this little you know purple patch of talent coming through? Look, I, I sort of think it is a bit sort of cyclical that cyclical, whatever the correct pronunciation. But yeah, you're right because you know we went through periods in South Australia that you know you go back to the fifties and sixties and with grey tracks and Mondays and. Um, you know, Page and just an incredible bunch of guys. I know that was at senior level, but you know, we we proved that we're we're more than capable of producing good baseballers. Uh, but it still does come. It's all right to have two or three, but you need more than that. So, 
when South Australia, I you know have the um, the pleasure to sort of uh, I suppose um, boast a little bit that when Burke Weber was our head coach of that team in Tullabudgera, that uh, Curtis was in that group in our silver medal winning group with Kai Hampton, who's in a high college in the States at the moment, and, um, you know, Harry Nuckies and, you know, many, many good players in that group um, that took us to a silver medal. And then that group went through and we won the under-16 and under-18 national championships with that core group that pushed their way through and with the inclusion with Jack O'Loughlin, who you know, is, is a signed pro with Detroit Tigers, and uh, but he joined because he was on the other side charter, but when the state came together, he joined it, and there's that extra arm that we were a little short on and, and a couple of other players, and, you know, we had a um, one of those periods in time as, as our uh, group. So, yeah, uh, are we... I mean, we're having a charter at the moment, anything from... 15 to 25 tryout for charter, just the way it is at the moment. So it's not strong, and we've got to pick our pick ourselves up again and get it moving and etc. So we are a really, um, you know, a little bit of a minnow sport, like all states. And um, baseball is not a the high prominent, you know, a sport to play in states. So it all sort of happens in, in little waves with us and uh, we're going through a nice little wave at the moment and whether it be, you know, collectively as 20 guys, but we've got two or three in, in our group that we believe could really go on and do something. So, yeah, it's a tough one, Stuart. It, you know, it really does come in peaks and troughs and all of that sort of stuff and you just got to stay strong, but we've had some incredible high-performance managers back to Landon Hernandez and uh, Tyrone Hamley and now, obviously, with Riley Moore, who's a highly accomplished, uh, signed baseballer that is now taken on the role that we've got some fantastic high-performance managers and they draw everything they can out of what we've got. So um, I think we're just through those programs. We're just getting better and better the training's better, the demands are more. Um, yeah, it's a, you know, we've got Max Stagg and uh, Darcy Barry uh, that have just gone to high-profile colleges. So we, we keep, you know, maybe, um, you know, batting above our average a little bit, but it's, it's not through flukiness or, you know, luck. It's just through real hard work and identification and, just pushing as hard as we possibly can. Well, hopefully you guys can be the little engine that could and uh, the 2023 AYCs are the, is the year of South Australia. Andrew, thanks very much for your time today. Really appreciate it and thanks for your insights and uh, we wish you all the best at the tournament. Oh, thanks a heap, Stuart. It's been a pleasure chatting with you, mate.